You're listening to the Photo Up Podcast, where we're covering photography, marketing, and business from all sides of the industry. I'm your host, New York wedding photographer, marketer, and resident sleepy person, Megan Brookelman. Welcome back to the Photo Op Podcast. Today, we're chatting with photographer and co-founder of Prospect Studios in Brooklyn, Dylan Johnston. So welcome, Dylan. Hey, Megan. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you for being here. So tell the listeners about you and how you kind of got started on your path. All right. Uh, I'm a photographer, like Megan said. I grew up in Florida. I went to the Ringling College of Art and Design. Then shortly after graduation, I was working in Orlando for a little bit with the photography department at Universal Studios. And um, I did that throughout all of college. Then after graduating Ringling, I decided to come to New York because I had some friends who had a couch open for a couple weeks at least. So I came up <laughs> here playing a crash on the couch for like a month or two, but I packed a big bag just in case. And that was about six years ago. Yeah. And I first met you in Florida. So what, what was it about New York City that brought you to it? Um, I think just getting out of Florida where there wasn't the industry that I wanted or I could see myself really creating the career that I wanted with, with, my, with my photography. Uh, I, I love Florida. I grew up there. I grew up, you know, fishing and surfing and being pretty outdoorsy. But for the for the business and career side, just it just wasn't what I wanted. And New York is obviously kind of the center of that for the U.S. and basically the world and just seemed like more opportunity there for me. And what kind of photography do you do? What are you passionate about? <laughs> Recently, I've been a, I'm essentially a commercial photographer at this point. I've been doing a lot of sports and travel work. Uh, while in school, I was very much a wannabe Alex Soth. I would just try to travel around, shoot film as much as possible. And I still do that for my personal projects. Like I've been doing this Python hunting project for the past, I guess, five years now. I kind of pick it up every year or so and shoot film. And that's just a pure passion project for me. But for the most part, I'm a commercial photographer now. We're doing a lot of athletic and sports and travel projects. That's interesting that you mentioned having a passion project because I know it's really hard for photographers to honestly get started on a lot of passion projects or make time for it. So how do you actually make time to shoot that every year? It's it's actually a very difficult thing because I went about a year or so without doing it. Part of that was because, you know, the, the issues with, with Florida and they weren't actually hosting the event. But just passion projects in general are a really hard thing for me to carve time out for because... I'm, I prefer doing kind of more documentary stories and those take a lot of time and several months or a year or two to build the story. But um, if if I have a lull in work for a week or so, I like to go out and try to shoot something or like I grew up surfing down in Florida. So if there's ever waves in New York and I'm not working, I'll go out there and just shoot for, you know, a couple hours in the afternoon just to go do it, just to kind of cure my age for, for photography. But uh, carving time out for long form stories definitely been been a challenge. And that's why I've been working on this project for five years. And it's, you know, still not in its infancy, but it's not a complete project yet, because I only get time here and there to, to really piece it together. Is there anything specifically that drives you to create personal work? Or do you just do it just to feed your creative self? Um, cheesy. I just I just love photography. <laughs> I like going out and making <laughs> images and, and telling stories. Uh, like I just said, like if, if I'm not working for a day and there's waves and it's it's too cold for me to go surf and I'll just bring my camera out and shoot for a little bit or always like trying to push myself to take new images and try different things. So that's one way for me to kind of kind of practice without having a client over my shoulder as well. Just going out and shooting things that I want for a couple hours. And speaking of having clients over your shoulder, I know you were assisting for a while. So how did you break into that sphere? Assisting was a great gig for a while because I got to learn like the non 
you know, button pushing aspect of photography. Like I always, I always say that actually pushing the button and taking the photo is probably the easiest part of photography, getting in the room with the people and getting the set and the talent and everything you want is the hardest part. The actual button pushing aspect is 5% of photography. So that taught me a lot about how to just deal with clients, whether it's, you know, but before the shoot or during the shoot and what you need for a shoot, it's okay. We have this room. What do we need in this room for lighting and equipment? So assisting taught me a lot how to deal with that stuff aside from, you know, working on my own craft because I have my own eye. I work on that on my own. But through that, I was able to meet people, see how they do it, and then kind of get some tips on how to reach out to brands and uh, art directors. And through that, I reached out. Then I, I met friends of friends and some photographers, you know, introduced me to some clients and they hired me for small stuff. And I was just able to kind of start piecing together from those relationships. And when you say you're a commercial photographer, what are you shooting? Is it fashion or tell us a little about that? I shoot with a lot of sport brands. I shoot with Adidas quite a bit, actually. They're, they're kind of my bread and butter recently. I've been doing Adidas Terex, which is their outdoor brand, which is actually kind of one of my, you know, call quote unquote breaks into the industry was last over the last two and a half years. I shot three or four of their campaigns with them. And we, we start doing um, the Adidas Terex is like rock climbing and uh, trail running and hiking. So that's a lot of, you know, two, three days, four days outside with hikers and athletes. And we shot Diplo one year, which was pretty fun when hiking with him for an afternoon. But um, yeah, that was a, that was a, a good thing for me because a lot of my work is kind of documentary and outdoor. So that was like a perfect marriage for me. And it's like my first, first big commercial client, which has opened more doors since then. What does a day on that set look like? Can you kind of dive into that? Oh man, it's uh, it depends on the on the locations. We did three or four. We did three nights in the in the Sierras about a year or so ago, and we actually there's 15 of us. There's myself, director. We had two two talents, you know, producer, assistants, and clients. So 15 of us all with backpacks on, and we hiked in and camped for three nights. We like brought in all of our food, built fires every night, and that was a uh, that was one of the wildest experiences because we were just you can only plan so much for that. Our plan was to hike about 15 miles in because our crew was so large, we could only go about six or seven miles in. So we just hike for a little bit, wait for the light to get nice, shoot over here, hike more, shoot over this. And that was very much like, as we go shoot, we obviously had a story, you know, built up and kind of sketched, sketched out a bit, but that was a much more of shoot as you go and kind of off the hip sort of vibe. Okay. And for something like this, are you doing a lot of the production or are you doing more of the, like, I know you're doing a lot of the button pushing, obviously, but <laughs> are you, what else are you putting into it? Um, these kind of projects I'm not producing. I have a, a producer I work with pretty frequently and um, he's, he takes care of all this stuff. And these projects are super high budget and they're just way past my grade where producing and shooting this would just be kind of out of my skill level and something I wouldn't want to do as well. Cause if you're working with, you know, 15, 20 people on set with, you know, even, even more sometimes that's a lot to juggle. I don't want to have to deal with, you know, getting budgets for everything and, you know, getting food budgets and picking up a van. I just want to be able to focus on my craft and shoot that way. So it's much, much easier having a producer do that. I mean, it's, that's their job. So it's great having them there. Yeah, absolutely. If there's 15 to 20 people on set, there's another 15 to 20 behind the scenes making that all work. Yep. (laughs) 
So I want to switch over topics a little bit. You are the co-founder of Prospect Studios in Brooklyn. So tell us the story behind that. Well, Prospect Studios is a beautiful daylight photo studio that we just opened up in December of 2019. And um, I've, you know, I've been in New York for five, six years and I've been wanting a studio pretty much since I got there, whether just to work out of or just to do some kind of test shoots. And it was never really a good option for me. But I was actually on a job down in Florida in October, I believe. And a buddy of mine called me. It's like, hey, I just found this beautiful warehouse space. Like, you should come check it out as soon as you're back. So I came back and we checked it out. And we, we talked to the landlord a little bit. And he actually gave us the keys. <laughs> so uh, it was uh, the, the location kind of fell into my lap. That was super, super lucky. But having some sort of like space was always on my agenda typically more just a space for myself to use but this space is so large and beautiful we just want to share it with people and this is an awesome business for a photographer obviously to build because so many photographers don't even think about you know creating multiple streams of income for themselves can you talk about what the thought process was that kind of led you down this path of actually opening a studio Mm mm-hmm Again, I've been on so many sets and I kind of like the vibe of being on, on in studios. And aside from being a cool place for myself to edit pictures when no one's there, it's just, um, as a photographer, you don't always know when your next paycheck is coming. Like I'll do these big jobs, then I'll do a small thing here or there, but I may only work, you know, six, seven, maybe eight days total in a month. So I have time to myself, like a lot of time. So if, um, if those checks don't cover everything or if I get them just kind of wait for something else, it's nice to have another revenue stream kind of being built up and set up. So when I'm not getting those shooting days, I can still have an income and still be able to cover rent. And what was the technical process of actually opening a studio? Can you walk us through like the step-by-step? What, what did you guys do? Uh, well, the first, we got the keys the first week of October. And for about six to eight weeks, we were in there almost every day and sanding the floors and painting the walls and just getting the space ready because it was a little beat up. But um, so we just kind of put it, you know, put a polish and everything. So went through, I don't know, gallons and gallons of paint, tons of sandpaper just to clean up and make it pretty. And then once that was the easy part, once all the, the manual labor was done, we made the business an S Corp. We started designing it. We, you know, got the logos going. We started getting furniture and, you know, equipment for the space. That was the actual hard part of putting it all together. And do you have a big team or is it more of a tight operation? No, it's just the four of us. It's myself and Kyle, who's my partner with this, and our two girlfriends. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, it's just been us kind of making decisions and going back and forth. We, we have a group chat that we uh, we message every now and then. Like, what do you think of this? How does this work? Should we do this? And we kind of just, you know, juggle back and forth and make it happen. And how does the business model work for the studio? Are people booking certain numbers of hours or how how does someone go about shooting there? Uh, we have two different things. We have a membership where for you know a monthly rate, you can shoot for two or two and a half days out of the month. And that gets you a key to the space and you'll be on our calendar system. And then also, because we have the second floor, like the upstairs mezzanine, we have this uh, four-person desk that we built and we sell just desk space. So for a monthly fee, you can own you know, four foot of this desk space and that's just yours. So again, you have a key for that and you can come in, keep your hard drive, your computer there and whenever you want, you can come and edit your photos. But also we have the space open just for daily rentals. So that's most of our stuff right now. People will contact us for a half day or full day shoot. They'll come in, bring in their equipment, 
bring their models, everything, shoot, and then pack up and leave for the day. Wow. So it's kind of a mix of a co-working space and and a photo studio, I guess, right? A little bit, yeah. Our whole plan with it is to uh, not just make it like, you know, a, a blank white box for people to come shoot and leave. It wants to be more of a community-based thing, which is why we have, I brought my, you know, my photo book collection over to the studio. And that's why we have couches upstairs. I got a TV set up and the big desk so we can all, we can all sit there and work together. And you said you lucked out with finding the space, but you know, sometimes it's, people can't get the right combination of, you know, a low rent and a nice space or, or whatever they're looking for. What actually mattered to you in a studio space that led you to choosing this one? I wanted a space that felt big enough where I could like shoot and not be cramped. And I'm, I prefer shooting daylight as much as possible. I'm a big time daylight photographer and we have like 16 by eight foot windows in the space. So it's absolutely massive. And with super high ceilings with it. And it's again, with the upstairs mezzanine, I can go up there and work or go downstairs and shoot. It just, it had everything I wanted plus 10 more things. We got a full kitchen in there too. It was just, it was, it was too good to pass up on. And now I want to bring it back to the community aspect. Cause you did mention you wanted it to feel, you know, a little friendlier and mm-hmm. your website <laughs> even mentions the space has a commitment to provide a place to create, collaborate, and community build. So let's talk about community building. Can you expand on what you aim to build with the studio? Yeah. Well, like remember in college, like one of my favorite aspects of going to school was sitting in the labs from I don't know, 10 PM to 2 AM with the four or five people who like were really kind of focused and cared about it and just cranking stuff out, whether work on edits or just sitting there kind of shooting the shit or watching random videos and, you know, all all, all doing stuff and progressing our minds, I guess. But I just miss the aspect of being together and just talking creatively with people. And as a freelancer, you don't really have that because I work out of my apartment for the most part up until now. So I missed having a community of people just to show photos to and get instant feedback with or have them show me photos or even new artists that they're following or just different music just to inspire one another. So getting people in that space is, you know, that was, that was one of my biggest concerns, honestly, was just being able to uh, share space with more like-minded people. Like we're not, we don't even just want photo shoots in there. We, we had two galleries set up this month, but coronavirus happened. So those are unfortunately pushed out, but we are open to doing galleries. We're open to, you know, pop-ups for fashion and whatnot. It's like we've been approached by a few things and we're very open to that kind of aspect of it, not just a box to take photos in. I was going to ask, so you do events then? Yes. We, the only event we've had was uh, our big opening party, but it was a blast. We had about a hundred people in the space and we had a Salento tequila as our sponsor and it was, it was a good night. That's awesome. And now when you're working on like sponsorships for events and things like that, are you handling a lot of the business or is your partner? How does that work? We kind of go back and forth and see who has like a strength with it. I reached out to this uh, tequila brand Salento because I know the owners and I did a photo project with them in Mexico about a week or two or a a year or so before the opening. So that was a pretty simple thing for me to handle. But in regards to, you know, emails coming in for the studio, like about random people that we don't know, we'll kind of just see one first off who's in town and who's readily available. And also just kind of who, who wants to be more of a studio manager, which is Kyle tends to handle more of that stuff and more the business side. 
Gotcha. And you mentioned coronavirus. So I want to <laughs> tiptoe into that a little bit because honestly, yeah. you know, it's a really weird time that is completely unprecedented. So how are you holding up as a photographer and a studio owner? I mean, all of my personal job, all of my clients, and everything have fully canceled for the foreseeable future. I had uh, two travel jobs just before this happened that obviously both canceled. And I've absolutely zero on the horizon. And we've, we're kind of forced to, to close down the studio in a sense. We still, uh, like our members are still allowed to go there because it's, it'll just be one or two people. But as soon as we heard about Cuomo kind of shutting down New York in a way and not allowing groups of more than three, three or five people, I believe, uh, um, we posted on our Instagram that we're trying to keep a place open because we want people to be creative still with, you know, if everyone's stuck in their apartments going crazy it's a good escape to go somewhere and make some work, but we're kind of just pushing, you know, max of three people in the space or just like product photography only. Like we're, we're trying to work with this, but everything's, uh, everything's kind of, kind of shut down for the time being. Like I said, we had two galleries that were supposed to happen this month, but those had to close as well for obvious reasons. Wow. And what are your days looking like right now? Are you catching up on marketing or what are you, what are you up to? Uh, I'm not doing as much marketing now. I've just, I had a few, few old projects that I was, I've been editing that, you know, two personal projects, one of them being the Python hunt that I show earlier this year, kind of finalizing edits on that stuff. And I, I just rebuilt my website earlier this year. I kind of wish I waited on that because I have all the time <laughs> my, on my hands now. But um, yeah, I, I tend to do a lot of like uh, kind of cold call emails throughout the year, throughout the month, every month, typically. But um, I'm holding off on those because no one's in the office. But I'm kind of just building more templates and more portfolios to start sending out as soon as people can start getting back to work, hopefully soon. Can you talk about those cold call emails? I am curious. But honestly, sometimes I don't know if it's a waste of time or if it's like a, like a savior. Because <laughs> I feel like 90% of them <laughs> I don't hear back from. But when I do hear back from them, it's always a great thing. So I, I typically, I'll find, whether I find like a magazine or an agency or whatnot, I see what kind of work that they present, that they show. And I see how my work could fit in with that. And I'll build a little PDF, put, you know, five, six images just on one page, write a short, you know, one paragraph, a couple sentence email. And just like, hey, my name's Dylan. This is what I shoot. I love your agency. And here's some my, my photos that I shot for, for these couple people. And um, that way, then I just send it out and I have that PDF pasted in the email. So they don't have to download anything. They can just see it right away. And do you think that's really helpful for the editors and the agents and whoever's opening your email when you put together a PDF as opposed to just linking them to a site? Absolutely. Yeah. And I've had several people tell me that they're happy I did that. And that's why they actually looked at my work and reached back out to me. Most editors don't have time to download something and open it and find where it went on their desktop or open another tab. So if you make it super simple, it's like, hey, my name is Dylan. I'm a photographer. Here's six of my photos. Like, oh, these are cool. I'll respond to them right now. It's a quick, easy way. And that way, it's one less thing to distract them because they get a million emails like this a day and get a thousand things going on. So I'm just trying to make make sure that they get back to me. That's fair. And I mean, I'm pretty sure there are a lot of photographers who are working on kind of polishing up their cold emails to send out once, you know, the pandemic dies down a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you have any advice for people who are doing cold outreach? Because I know it does not feel good all the time. No, it's definitely a, it's definitely a bummer one. I spend a day and send out 20 emails that I worked on and get one response a week later saying, Hey, your stuff's cool, but we don't need anything right now. <laughs> That's definitely a, a disappointment, but I've also had really good luck with um, creating like mailers and leave behinds. 
for, I've done a couple of different ones. I've made like small zines. I made little single page foldouts and mailing those out. And I've had really good responses. And even every meeting I go to, I make sure I bring something. So if an editor responds to my emails and I get a meeting with them, I'll chat with them. I'll show my portfolio digitally because I don't have a print portfolio at the, at the moment. But I'll print out of a little four by six inch printer, a little Canon selfie, one of those little things. And I'll, I'll give them four or five prints of those with my name on the back. And people kind of just like getting things in a way. It's like a little little goodie bag almost. And also just it's an easy reminder for them to see my work all the time. It's make it super small. They could put it on their board. They could have it on their desk. It's just, you know, kind of pretty photo for them to remember me by. Can you talk more about, you know, tangible marketing efforts like that? Because I know you have done a lot of, you know, printing efforts and book type things in the past. And I want to hear more about your stance on having something tangible and not just showing someone, you know, an iPad or, or just sending them a link. Mm -hmm. Yeah, having something that you could actually hand somebody or flip through, I think is a huge, huge plus, especially if you can just give it to them afterwards. When I first moved to New York, I made I think it was like a little 30 page kind of photo zine, just, you know, accumulation of my work. Every, every spread was a different story. And I printed, I think about a hundred of those. It was a huge expense when I first moved to New York. I printed those out and I would just spend days or off hours or whenever I could. I would find a magazine or another agency or whatnot, get their address and just mail it out and hope to hear back. Or I would also email them to be like, Hey, there's a package coming for you. It's my work let me know if you get it kind of thing. And people always, always reacted very well to the print. Even so I made those quick little foldouts that were, you know, much more affordable and quick and simple to do. And again, I did the exact same thing. I mailed it to the same people. I find new contacts and people, if, if they get it and respond, it's always a good thing. And that at least builds a relationship if I don't get a job from right away. Do you have any other advice on leaving a lasting impression? Cause I know you know, if I received something that was out of the norm like that, that would leave an impression on me. I guess just going back to uh, if you have a meeting with somebody, like give them something, like show them that you care and make it personal. Every every piece that I send out, every zine or fold out or print, I also write a quick little couple sentences and print it out on the same four by six inch printer. Be like, hey, Megan, uh, great talking to you with the podcast. I really appreciate everything. I'm looking forward to working with you again. Sign my name and put it in there and just make it make it personal. All the envelopes I have, I hand like I just get a thick sharpie, handwrite their names, handwrite my name on it. Just I try to make everything feel like it was made just for them and not that I just printed out a thousand, had somebody else ship it to everybody. I just I want people to know that I care and that I'm here to talk to them. That's fair. I guess I never really think about you know, creating a personal client experience for commercial clients as well, because a lot of the time, you know, on this podcast and elsewhere, I've talked about creating a, a very personal client experience for families or for weddings or, or, you know, consumer photography couples like that. But I guess if you're also thinking about your client experience in commercial photography and fashion photography and in genres like that, that's going to make you stand out more than just you know, the typical photographer that is sending out a hundred pitches a day with a hundred different links to a hundred different people who don't really care, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. People want, people want to feel special. And I've had several editors tell me that if they get like a MailChimp email from a photographer, they delete it right away. Like, I don't want just, I don't want just the spam. Like I want to know that they reached out to me. 
And do you have any advice overall for photographers now or in the future who might consider, you know, a venture like opening a studio and opening up the potential for another stream of revenue? Yeah, it's, it's definitely something I, I highly recommend because, I mean, I would love to even do something else, but I should probably <laughs> stick with these two for now before I open another, <laughs> another venture and truly go crazy. But um, no, it, it's, it's a great way to kind of one, break up your day. And also like the studio for me, it's perfect because I can leave my apartment, go work somewhere else or go be around other photographers. Cause that, now that I don't assist anymore, I'm not around other photographers and meeting other people and just kind of like seeing different lighting setups and just, you know, it's a good way to still, still have a community that's just outside of like my, my quick reach. And also just having two sources of income, like this, that's the greatest thing ever. You can never go wrong with that because sometimes <laughs> sometimes I go a month without a paycheck. Sometimes it's only a day, but it's just, yeah, making it more and more is a, definitely a good option. And while we're in the midst of all this isolation, do you have any thoughts on building community digitally while we all can't leave our doorsteps? <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I connect through Instagram all the time. That's, I spend too much time on that, but there's plenty of photographers that I know I'm friends with through Instagram more than in person. But just seeing their work and messaging back and forth, like, hey, this is cool. How'd you do that? Like, love that you shot with that client, super cool. So just, just that kind of vibe. I'm on my phone and computer more hours a day than not, which might not always be a good thing, but I, I like just being part of things still. Like, again, that's like kind of goes back to, when I was in school where it was nothing but photo and nothing but like-minded people around you. And I just like that aspect of it. I think it's, it's just really important for myself. Do you feel like the interactions on Instagram, do you feel like there's a lot of genuine interaction or are you kind of sifting through and seeing who feels more genuine? Uh, for me, it's relatively genuine. I have a very, very tiny following. So I'm not getting a whole lot of random, random kind of people chatting. It's more photographers that either you know, friends of friends or kind of shoot the same stuff or like similar vibes. So we can kind of, kind of talk shop and hang out for a little bit via Instagram and just kind of bounce off each other a little bit. I mean, Hey, following numbers don't matter so much as, <laughs> as the community that you create, you know, yeah, all the clients that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but your Instagram gets a lot of engagement, despite the fact like you don't have like 20,000 followers. And that's, that's really awesome, you know, because I, I do think that shows that you do make a genuine connection with people even digitally. Yeah, well, with the Instagram account, I kind of have mine more collaged out and less like a typical, typical pattern, because it's kind of goes back to what I was saying with, uh, with the leap behinds the mailers that's more personal and shows that I care. So every time I finish a project, I'll spend a few minutes kind of make the layout on my computer for what the Instagram looks like, then send that out. And I get a lot of good feedback. I've actually had a few clients who have, uh, have told me they've kind of built their campaign off of that similar look. So that's kind of rewarding knowing that people appreciate it and that it seems to be, seems to be a good thing. Wow. Yeah. I know you work really hard on your grid and there's a lot of conversation in the social media community about how grids don't matter as much and you should be on stories, but you clearly pay a lot of attention to the grid. And it's so awesome to hear that clients give you good feedback on that. Yeah, that, that's definitely, I definitely prefer that because the stories I'm a little, you know, I'm really kind of lazy with. And also I hate, I'm never going to do selfies of myself talking to the story. <laughs> <laughs> I know there are other things I can do, but that seems to be the popular one. I always avoid that, but uh, I have been making an active effort to do more stories for myself and for the studio's Instagram because the, the prospect studio's Instagram also, we have that pretty well curated. 
where we, we try to do photos that either myself or Kyle have taken in the space or other people have shot in the space. We try to post those photos. We try to post some inspiration so we can kind of just get a good, good sense of what's going on. And do you have any thoughts for photographers either now during, you know, a literal pandemic or in the future who just may be experiencing a season of drought? Do you have any thoughts or advice for them in kind of weathering the storm? I mean, there's really the only thing you can do is kind of just get through it. It's, it's not fun. Again, I'll, I'll go through a drought of not shooting for several weeks and be kind of bummed about it, but you really just got to kind of pick yourself up and, find something to do like these past couple of days. I've just been editing tons of photos and going through old projects too and see what else I have, but just reaching out to people too. If your phone's not ringing, it's not going to magically ring because you haven't worked for a couple of weeks. You have to do these calls. You have to reach out to people. You have to, you know, if you have to go back and assist for something or go shoot an event or anything just to uh, cover some bills for a little bit, there's, there's no shame in that at all. If you need a, need a little boost for the month, but uh, yeah, you have to, always actively be doing things. That's the hardest part about being photographers is again, just getting in the room to actually take the photo. You have to put in hours and hours and hours of work for that one, you know, seven, eight hour shoot day. Wow. That's really solid advice. Thank you so much. (laughs) And, uh, and looping back to Instagram, where can our listeners find you? Uh, you can find myself, uh, my ridiculous Instagram name. It's a captain Johnston. (laughs) That's a, it's a C A P T underscore Johnston. But you can find the studio. It's uh, Prospect Studios NYC. Perfect. Well, we will definitely link to those in the show notes. And Dylan, thank you so much for coming on and for your candid conversation. (laughs) Of course. Thanks so much for having me, Megan. Thanks so much for tuning into the Photo Op Podcast. If you liked this episode, I'd love for you to leave a review and let me know what you liked and what you want to hear more of. Also, head on over to the Facebook community and participate in some conversation with fellow photographers. If you want to reach me directly, feel free to DM me at Megan Brookelman, which is linked in the show notes as well. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you in a flash.